We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for December 2nd, 2012, segueing into some different definitions of Zionism in the word Zionist. Okay, traditional definition of Zionism is a form of nationalism of Jews in the Jewish culture that supports a Jewish nation-state in a territory defined as the land of Israel. Which I see nothing wrong with. Would it be wrong for somebody that had not been in Turkey and their family had been dispersed from there to want to migrate back to Turkey because that was their original homeland? Just apply that to any country on the planet. Would it be evil of them to want that? Uh, I don't think so, but it is for the Jews. It is. I, I showed Taylor that video on the 15 seconds and she was like, she was asking me about, you know, why would they why would they stay there? I mean, because can you imagine living under this constant where you have this 15-second alarm? And then sometimes it's, you know, multiple times per day that you're having to go into the... I mean, that would be absolutely maddening. Talk about frazzling your nerves. But you know what? It's just like Satan to just harass, harass, and harass. He loves to harass people. And again, this is what he's trying to do. He's trying to make life so unbearable through his seed, these Muslim terrorists, that they'll just, you know, but I told her, I said, listen, it's, it's, this is what the actual definition of technically Zionism is. Now, we're going to look at the standard definition and we're going to look at the negative connotations of this as well. Okay, so I'm not going to just present one side here and say, well, this is all that it means. Because there's people that oppose this, and, and you know, we're going to look at all aspects of this, is what I'm trying to say here. Okay, but they have a right to want to go back to the homeland of which, like, if they were to read the Bible and say, you know, hey, well, where else can they go? Any other spot on the planet, just about, they're going to be persecuted. Because most other spots on the planet, they're either going to be hated because they're Jews or they're going to be hated because there's a larger Muslim population. Period. America's one of the only places they can come and it has the largest Jewish population outside of Israel. Because of that. Okay, so this is, this is what we're dealing with here. Um, is a form of nationalism of Jews in the Jewish culture that supports a Jewish nation state in a territory defined as the land of Israel. I'm sorry, I just don't see what's so wicked about that. Okay, Now, there is a wicked aspect to the Illuministic Zionism. Okay? And we're going to get into that. Zionism supports Jews upholding their Jewish identity and opposes the assimilation of Jews into other societies and has advocated the return of Jews to Israel. Now, you could say, oh, that's prejudicial. Well, in the Bible, God told the Jews not to mix with the pagans or the heathens. Now, I understand, right now, the Jews are blind, corporately, for the most part. They are. And most of them, unfortunately, right now, if they die, they're on their way to hell. Okay, but I can understand why they would read the Bible and look at that and say, you know what, we're not supposed to be assimilating ourselves with other nations. Heck, all the other nations hate them anyway. Around them, especially with the Muslims, they're surrounded on every side. So, you know, you can't really blame them. So, Zionism supports Jews upholding their Jewish identity and opposes the assimilation of Jews into other societies and has advocated the return of Jews to Israel as a means for the Jews to be liberated from anti-Semitic discrimination exclusion, and persecution that has occurred in other societies. Can you blame them? Has any other race been persecuted like the Jews? Now I understand, when they said to Pilate, crucify Jesus, give us Barabbas, let his blood be upon us and our children, they brought themselves under corporately under a curse. And that curse has blinded them to a certain extent to this day. Remember, blindness in part has happened to, the, to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. So it's in part, okay? It's not, it's not like every single one. Some Jews are, have gotten saved. But 
I mean, I can't really blame them for wanting this stuff, okay, that we're talking about here. Would it be wicked for an American that had been displaced to, let's say, South America to have a yearning to go back to America? Oh, that's just wicked. Oh, I've never heard anything so evil in my life. I mean, it's stupid to say that. Israel's been around a whole lot longer than, than America. Why don't they have that right? You know, I'm just sticking up for, for them because they have that right, just like we do. But when it comes to Israel, it's like the media has this whole other different standard they're held to. Oh, no, that's wicked. Okay, right. So, um, since the establishment of the State of Israel, the Zionist movement continues primarily to advocate on behalf of the Jewish state and address threats to its continued existence and security. Critics of Zionism consider it colonistic, colonialist, or a racist movement. I've already went into that. Some scholars consider certain forms of opposition to Zionism to constitute anti-Semitism. Well, I mean, obviously, the, the, the Muslims would not want this. They don't want the, the Jews returning to their homeland. They want that land for themselves. They want to annihilate the Jews. You know, the only reason they would all want them there is so it would be a more concentrated target for them to, to fire their rockets at. So they could kill them all at once. Instead of having them spread all over the world. <laughs> so, that's, I mean, that's the truth. So, here, the word Zionist. What does that mean? Okay, Zionist. A Jewish supporter of Zionism. A Jew, Hebrew, Israel. A person belonging to the worldwide group claiming descent from Jacob. Um, or converted to it and connected by cultural or religious ties. Okay, so... Okay, so Zionism. Here's another definition. These are different definitions. Before Judaism was a religion, it was a nation. Okay? For 13 centuries, there was a nation of Israel. Zionism is simply the modern political movement to liberate Jews from the ovens of Europe, the Holocaust ovens of Europe, and centuries of Muslim oppression, and reestablish Jewish self-determination on that land that historically gave birth to the Jewish people. What is wrong with that? The Bible predicts that's what's going to happen. See, that's the big thing for me. If the Bible predicted, no, 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 this is going to happen, this is against God's will, I'd say, well, you know, I mean, it's not good, I guess. Because they're trying to do something against the will of God. But the Bible, and we're going to go over a lot, some of those verses, there's so many, there's no way I could ever cover them all. I mean, unless I did... I don't even know how many part teaching. The Bible predicts this is what was going to happen. And that Israel was going to be reestablished as a state. And that the Jews were going to be brought back into the land. I mean, and if you look at the book of Daniel and Revelation and all, I mean, so much of it revolves around Israel, the Israelites, the 12 tribes. I mean, all of these things that are literally stated out. None of that can happen unless Israel is back in the land. And then I have people saying to me, oh, no, they're all the Khazars. Oh, okay. So you're telling me that the Israelites that are there now, who are fanatical about their genealogies, none of them are the real Jews now. It's some other group of people that will be... So I guess all of them are going to have to be wiped out. And then they're going to, like, truck in all the real Jews... And then we're finally going to get the ball rolling. That makes so much sense to me. I mean, that makes such perfect sense, I don't even know where to begin. I need to do a whole study on the Khazar theory, debunking that. And I've got a whole document on it. But there's so much attack on Israel and its just genealogy and everything. Satan is absolutely 100% preoccupied with Israel and the Israelites. And it's very evident of this by so many... I mean, here you got the vote in the UN. 138 to 8? 138 countries and the United Nations were against Israel and saying, no, no, no. Even after... This eight-day war where Gaza, where the terrorists from Gaza, if that's all you had to go on, 
Okay, I'm not even talking about all the 20,000 terrorist attacks since 9-11. I'm not talking about all the thousands of rockets that have been fired. I'm not talking about all the land given for peace and all they do is move the rockets in closer and all the terroristic bombings. You, even if you had nothing to go on but the last eight days in Gaza where they were firing from civilian populations, you know, dozens and dozens of rockets every day just to try to hit anything in Israel. You look at that and you say, well, this is a bad, bad group of people here. No, 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 no. They reward them. The United Nations rewards them with a 138 to 9 vote to recognize the Palestinian Liberation Organization. But you know what? God ain't going to reward them. Pardon my French. God's watching. He's watching for the enemies of Israel, of the Israelites. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying that the head of their government is not Illuminati, Zionistic. I'm not saying the, the, the Rothschilds didn't, didn't actually get the ball rolling to get that land going. And we're going to talk about all of this. We're going to look at all aspects of this. So you can't say, well, he's just like John Hagee. He believes in ethnic salvation, that they're saved just by the blood that runs through their veins. I never said that. they got to get saved the same way we do. But I'm trying to have biblical balance here. Biblical balance. You know, most people are just like one way or another. So, I'm not saying my listeners, but I'm saying a lot of people that get into this, explore this. So, Zionism is simply the modern political movement to liberate Jews from the ovens of Europe and the centuries of Muslim oppression and reestablish Jewish self-determination on the land that historically gave birth to the Jewish people. Does that sound really, like, wicked to you? Of course it's wicked. I, I, I can't even bear hearing it anymore. <laughs> Come on. Give me a break. There is a wicked side. The synagogue of Satan, Illumina, Illuministic Zionism, is a whole other different ball of wax that we will talk about in a second. Hypocritically, many people who harbor animus toward the Jews in Israel refuse to grant this right to the Jews. Although they are eager to grant the right of self-determination, meaning the the right of self-determination. In other words, the people that that hate the Jews in Israel refuse to grant the right of self-determination to the Jews. It's like they have no right. Everyone else on the planet has a right to to want to maybe migrate back to their, let's say, if you were from Hungary, you go back to Hungary. You want to go back to your roots. Oh, that's wicked. No, it's not. I mean, granted, I mean, if you're born again Christian and and the country's paganized and there's no Christians there, well, I don't see a real reason to want to go back. But I'm saying, you you understand what I'm talking about here. Although they're eager to grant the right of self-determination to Palestinian Muslim Arabs, though, see, that they always get a pass because they're good people the Muslims, even though the nation of Israel is surrounded by 22 hostile Arab Islamic dictatorships that are 640 times her size and 60 times her population, Arab propagandists call Israel expansionist. But there's no truth to this statement, obviously, as Israel occupies one-sixth of one percent of the lands called Arab. One-sixth of one percent. And everybody's totally gonzo out of their minds in the Middle East with getting that one-sixth of that one percent of the land because Israel is so evil and so expansionist. And they sit in this tiny little sliver of land about the size, I don't even think it's the size of Rhode Island, our smallest state. And they're absolutely obsessed with that one little sliver. And they're the source of all evil because they occupy it. Is there anything wrong with this picture? You know? 640 times her size. The Arab Muslim dictatorships in the countries around her. 640. And those poor Palestinians, they just don't have any land at all. It's just terrible. Even though if you look at a map of Israel and see what they've given up as far as land for peace, they've given up over 50% of what they originally had. And it's still not good enough. Because Satan could never, ever be appeased. 
Now, we're going to go into the darker side of when you hear on the internet, oh, he's a Zionist. Okay, that's always, always, always a negative connotation. That's why I wanted to define Zionism from a neutral standpoint. Neutral. It wasn't even pro what I read you. It was neutral. This is the definition of Zionism or Zionist. A few different definitions. I just gave you that, okay? Now, let's look at what the more negative connotation would imply. Because you hear the word Zionist. Immediately, it's negative. Oh, he's evil. Source of all evil on the planet. Okay? Zionism has partially achieved its ultimate goal, the modern state of Israel, via secretive plotting and heavy funding by the Jewish Zionist Rothschild International Banking Family most prominently embodied in the Bank of England. It is loosely and unofficially estimated that the Rothschilds control almost three-fifths of the world's wealth, um, or about $50 trillion in fiat money, fiat meaning fake, essentially, it's printed out of thin air, through the indebtedness of world economies, while about another $100 trillion of the world's wealth is controlled by the Rockefellers. The Rothschilds are at the very pinnacle top of the Illuminati, from everything I've ever read. Okay, And yes, they are a, supposedly bloodline-wise, a Jewish banking family. Oh, that means all Jews are evil. They're the source of all evil on the planet. Oh, I can't take it. See, this is called throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Because there are a lot of wicked, evil Israelite, if we can believe them, Bloodline lineage in high places, in banking, in finance, in world government. I'm not denying that. Let's label all the Jews, every one of them, in the same boat. And let's flush them all down the toilet together. This is exactly what happens all the time. And I deal with it. And I've dealt with it ever since I've been in ministry. And I will never, ever buy into that, or go there. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The Bible is very clear God is not done with the Israelites. Very clear. And they have to be present. How is, how is Revelation 7 and 14 going to happen? With the 12,000, or the 144,000, 12,000 from each 12 tribes, Jewish, Israelite, male virgins? How is that going to happen if they're all wiped out. Satan would love to do that so that that ver- portion of scripture could never be fulfilled. Well, if all Israelites, if all of them are Zionistic evil devils, do you think those 144,000 are evil devils? I don't think so. They're going to be the most pure, holy men the world's ever probably seen on a scale that grand. So think about that for a minute. When you want to just totally, and I'm not talking to my listeners so much, but the people that would go against this. Think about that. How do you explain that one away? Well, that doesn't refer to them. That's actually the British-Israeli tribes, and we will assimilate those names in the Bible. Oh, okay, you figured that out on your own, did you? Or did you have to read about 14 books and be brainwashed by about 10 other teachers to to get to that level of thinking? Or the black Hebrew Israelites will say that they actually, know those tribes actually represent um, the black nations in Trinidad and Tobago and Cuba. And, I mean, come on. You know, the word of God is of no private interpretation. The Bible talks about that. You know, when you start thinking you get this private interpretation from God and it totally contradicts, you know, every source of truth out there. Because you have this private revelation from God and it contradicts the word of God and you have to twist and bend the scriptures in order to fit it into your theology. There's something wrong there. Remember, pride goeth before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. You better be real sure that if you think God's speaking to you, it lines up with the word of God because God says, I am God, I changeth not. My word is forever established in heaven and it changeth not. So you better be real careful <laughs> coming out of the Pentecostal movement. I know that that's a big one, you know. Oh, I got a word of God for you, and it's like, okay, it doesn't even come to pass, or it's totally false. 
And then they go on to their next false prophecy or their next supposed revelation. I mean, I, I, I like lived in it 24-7 for a while. It's like, don't you have any fear of God? Don't you understand that the Bible says in Deuteronomy 18 that a false prophet is to be killed? I'm not saying that we go around doing that now, but it was a real big deal to God and it still is. False prophets are the norm now. They're the norm. It's not the exception. It's the norm. These people have no fear of God is all I can say. So going further here. Um, another 11 rich and powerful banking families, this is beside the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, as well as wealthy individuals, families, and governments control the remaining 100 trillion of the world's wealth. Many of these families are or claim to be of an Israelite bloodline. Okay? But again, does that mean we just throw throw them all out of the bathwater? The Bible says that two-thirds of the Israelites are going to be destroyed in Zechariah. I just read that verse last week. But one-third is going to come through the fire, and they're going to look upon whom they pierced, Jesus Christ, and they're going to get their eyes open, and they're going to mourn for him as one that mourns for their only begotten son. They're going to realize they crucified their Savior, and they're going to finally collectively, that one-third remnant that's left, that's refined as silver, is tried in the furnace of earth, they're going to finally look upon whom, whom they pierce, and they're going to accept him as Lord and Savior. That's not going to occur, though, until pretty much near the end of the tribulation. And that's when I believe the fullness of the Gentiles fully come in. Because blindness in part has happened to the, to the Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. It's going to happen more near the end of the tribulation. They're going to finally get their eyes open. One third of the Israelites are going to get saved. Which, if you look from a worldly standpoint, that's a very high percentage. Because there's very few people now that I believe are even saved. And you look at the fruit. By their fruit you shall know them. You know, so anyway, um, Revelation 2 verse 9 says, I know thy works. Okay, so, okay, so what are these? These illuministic Zionists. Well, how would you classify them? Here, right here, Revelation 2 9. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. That's their church. That's the Rothschild's church. That's the Rockefeller's church. That's the wicked Israelite, let's say, bloodline. And even if they really are that, they say they're Jews, doesn't necessarily mean they are. They're of the synagogue of Satan. That's their church. Where do you go? I go to the synagogue of Satan. How about you? You know? Revelation 3.9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie, behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, to know that I have loved thee. So this is how we reconcile the whole Zionism, Zionist, Illuminati Zionism argument. So we have biblical balance when we look at this subject. Because so many people go to one extreme or the other and the truth, you, you have to look at both angles to under fully understand the truth here. Also, this group of secret international bankers, often referred to as the Illuminati, was behind the Balfour Declaration, which was the declaration that basically got the original land that was established as Israel. Uh, so this group of secret international bankers, referred to as Illuminati, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> was behind the Balfour Declaration, the Versailles Treaty, and America's involvement in both World Wars I and II. Millions of people have been murdered, maimed, enslaved, and impoverished by this secret Zionistic and communistic banking cartels. But remember, it's a group effort. Some people want to blame it all on the Pope and the Catholics. Some people want to blame it all on the Zionist uh, uh, synagogue of Satanist Jews or Israelites. You know, you could have another group that wants to blame it on whatever. I I look at it like, listen, it's one big satanic effort. Well, some groups want to blame it all on the Masons. You know, or secret societies. 
or the Bilderbergs, or the Trilateral Commission, or the Council for Foreign Relations, or... It's, listen, it's a big group satanic effort on a global scale with Satan at the head, his fallen angels underneath him, his demons and devils, and then people beholden to them, doing his bidding. It's not just like the Zionists, or it's not just the Catholics and the Pope. When you get focused in on that, you you start to lose sight of the big picture, as far as I'm concerned. That's why you never see me do that. They all play a role. All of them. Why can't we acknowledge that? Why do we have to just focus in with a microscope on one area? Blame them for all the evils of the world. Satan and his fallen angels and his demons and devils are the source of that. So, the Zionist Illuminati are the driving force behind a one world government, new world order. Okay, there, yes, probably some of the backbone, absolutely. But again, it is a big satanic group effort. Why do the multi-zillionaire international bankers, communists, and Jewish Zionists want a new world order? And again, that's some of the ones, but we're not listing them all, obviously. Well, most money is created in the form of debt to the privately owned banking cartel. Imagine if you could create money out of thin air. Imagine uh, you would have credit cards of all the nations in the world in your pocket. Um, Your first impulse is to lend money to your nominees so that they can buy most of the world's real wealth for you. Your second impulse is to establish a totalitarian system, world government, globalization, to prevent any nation from challenging this system or by defaulting on the debt they owe you. To make them accept the world government, you need to weaken them by having them fight amongst themselves, run up huge debts for armaments, which you sell them, and then kill off the cream of their population. And then they become demoralized and decadent. You accomplish this through your ownership of politicians and press and your control of MI6, CIA, and Mossad, etc., who carry out terror and assassinations for you. Now, this is a this is one person's definition of Zionism. Now, this would be, again, the Illuministic, wicked, evil Zionism. And they just want to focus in on just that to the exclusion of all the other wickedness on the planet that's tied in with this. So please, let's bear that in mind as we go through this. Now, then there's another, there's another facet to this whole Zionism thing. This is a quote from Jews Against Zionism website. Yes, you heard that right. Jews Against Zionism. This is from their website. And, it's, and this is the section, what is Zionism? Zionism is a movement founded by Theodore Herzl in 1896, whose goal is the return of Jews to Zion, the Jewish synonym for Jerusalem and the land of Israel. And you're thinking, well, after the definitions we just read, why is that evil? Uh, Okay. The name Zionism comes from the hill Zion and the hill on which the temple of Jerusalem was situated. Supporters of this movement are called Zionists. The purpose of this website is to explain why traditional Jews do not support Zionism. The return of land called Israel. Traditional Jews, they mean Orthodox Jews. The same ones that would fall under the Pharisees and Sadducees of essentially old times. The same one that were integral in nailing Jesus Christ to the cross. So consider the source here. Okay? Uh, So the purpose of this website is to explain why traditional Jews do not support Zionism, the return of the land to Israel, and why the Zionist ideology is totally contrary to traditional Jewish law and beliefs, and the teachings of the Holy Torah, which it's not. See, I don't know what Torah they're reading, but they're definitely not, first five books of the Bible, the Torah, okay? But they're definitely not looking at the whole counsel of God here with this belief system. Now, my biblical rebuttal will follow shortly, but I'm going to finish out what they have to say here, and then I'm going to refute it. The Zionist movement, which was formed at the latter part of the last century, sought to endow the Jews with a nationalistic character, which was hereto strange to them. I love how you speak on behalf of all Jews everywhere, of all Israelites. Strange to them. Why? Because they wanted to go back to Israel, where the Bible establishes their homeland? Why was that strange to them? 
And how dare you speak on every Jew's behalf? Because that's what you're doing. Why don't you take a national poll before you speak on their behalf? It sought to deprive them of their historically religious character and offered in substitution a faith of G-D, which is something that they'll never, they never write the name of God out, which there's no Bible for that either. Hebrew roots people do that as well. Uh, so it sought to and offered substitution of faith in God and adherence to the Torah and Sabbath and belief in their ultimate redemption by the coming of the Messiah. The problem is, is the coming of the Messiah is going to be the Antichrist. When he turns up, he's going to say he's the Messiah to the Jews and they're going to believe him. That's what's going to happen. We're dealing with seriously deceived people that are writing this. Okay, They're still in the Old Testament Levitical law. Christ was a better covenant. He did away with the Old Covenant. They rejected their Savior corporately and put Him on a cross and said, let His blood be upon us and our children. Okay? We're not dealing with people that are biblically sound here, that are writing this. They're still adhering to Old Testament Levitical law. I'm not saying there's obviously things we can't glean out of that. They're still, you know, in that system. And the belief of their ultimate redemption by the coming of the Messiah, which will be the Antichrist in this case. A nationalistic ideology and possibly of establishing through political media a Jewish national homeland. So this is all evil to them. I'm thinking, what Bible are you reading? Do you know how many Bible verses predict your Israel's return to its homeland? I mean, I'm telling you, you got to ignore a ton of scripture here. You guys are so versed in the Hebrew whatever. Uh, I don't know. You're willingly ignorant of a lot of stuff. We find it of supreme importance to emphasize that we are fearful of the consequences of the Zionist rebellion against the Creator. Again, this is such garbage. Zionist rebellion? The Bible predicts this is going to happen. And you're saying it's rebellion to God? No, no, you're actually the one in rebellion. You're the one that's actually going to accept the Antichrist. You're the very essence of why Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross, because of the religious Pharisees and Sadducees of the day, which incited the crowd, which got them to crucify Jesus, and they would take Barabbas instead. You're the very essence of that, and you haven't changed a bit, and it's obvious. You're the ones that still adhere to the Talmud, which is, the Babylonian Talmud is the most blasphemous book about Jesus Christ. And I, I mean, I can't even read the quotes from there. I did a teaching on the Talmud, T-A-L-M-U-D. Key it in this keyword search box, and I get into some of the verses. I, I can't say a lot of them, because they're so perverted and evil, and wicked, regarding Jesus Christ, that I can't even speak them online. This is the same group that's essentially writing this. Okay? So, consider the source here. Please. (laughs) We wish not to be affected by the behavior of the government, who in the name of Israel, persist in their renunciation, and utter disregard, of religious Judaism, which Jesus Christ did away with. And then it goes on to say, such as is clearly attested by their laws. So they're against religious Judaism. All right. So from a biblical standpoint, is Zionism predicted? Okay? Is it predicted? Sign number one, the return. Now these are just some of the verses I could probably do a 20-part study on this subject alone about how the Bible predicts the return of Israel to its homeland in the end times. Okay? This is just sound biblical theology here. And I'm going to use Old Testament verses which they, the Orthodox Jews, should be versed in, right? Oh no, these evidently don't apply. Okay. The return of the Israelites. Hundreds, perhaps thousands of Bible passages predict the return of Israel to their land. Here are only two. 
Well, actually, I'm going to give you four verses here, but uh, Ezekiel 20:34, and I will bring you out from the people, and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered. Sound familiar? When was Israel scattered? After Jesus Christ was crucified, and the Romans came in, 70 AD, and destroyed the temple, and the Jews were scattered, and this is how we got the Babylonian Talmud, because some of them actually went to Babylon, wrote that. They were scattered. They were living out the curse they had brought on themselves. It started after they crucified their Savior. I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered. With a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and, the, and with fury poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people and there I will plead with you face to face. Like I, as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. And I will... <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um... Like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. And I will cause you to pass under the rod. What does the rod imply? Correction. He's going to bring them into the, into the wilderness and plead with his people. And I will plead with you face to face. Like I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt. What, when they were in the wilderness in Egypt, in those 40 years, and God was trying to straighten them out, ultimately he... It didn't work. They had too much of Egypt in them. He had to let that generation die off so that the new generation, which had some faith, would go into the promised land and possess it like God told them to. Okay? They were under God's rod of correction in the wilderness. Right? Like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness in the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and it will bring you into the bond of the covenant. My comment. This may be why Israel has enemies on every side currently, as this is God's way of pleading with them, and getting them to rely wholly on him, and turning back to him fully, and then passing under the rod of correction to bring them to the point of repentance, which is coming in the future, corporately, so that they will cry out to him for their protection. Would this have anything to do with the, the Bible talks about in Zechariah where it says he's going to two-thirds are going to die and one-third is going to come through a silver tried in a furnace? Well, if a silver is tried in a furnace, that means it's heated. It means it's tried. It means, it means it's tested. Adversity given to you by God will typically be the one thing that will make you turn to God in many cases. When everything's going great, people don't typically do that. It typically takes adversity and suffering in order for that to happen. Is Israel suffering right now at all? Remember the video I just played, the 15 second video? Could this be why God has let Israel be surrounded on all sides? 22 hostile Muslim Arab nations that all want to kill her and drive her into the sea. 640 times her size, and that's probably even more now. Firing rockets all the time, having to go underground whenever the, the alarms go off. Now, the Palestinian, the PLO, has, 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 has achieved uh, observer status in the United Nations, and they're saying now they have their own state. You see, the, you see what God's doing here? He's doing all this ultimately so that they're going to come back to him. Not all, but a third. The remnant, eventually. To me, it's crystal clear. I'm not saying that because I think I'm better. I'm just saying, isn't it crystal clear? What's going on here from a biblical standpoint? So, I mean, I know we get all mad, and I tend to get really mad about the persecution of Israel right now, but I see that there's a, there's a goal from God's standpoint where this is all going to end up and why this is all happening, and it does have to happen this way. And you look in the Bible over and over again. People, when people were overwhelmed with the enemies and overwhelming odds, that's when they turned to God, typically, and said, oh God, we can't do it without you, the, 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 you know. 
And then when God comes in, in that particular situation, he's the only one that can really get the credit or the glory. Because the odds are overwhelming against them right now. I understand they've got really great technology. But I do believe there's going to be some miraculous intervention of Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ in the coming wars that are going to happen here. Granted, Israel's still going to be deceived for the most part because they're going to accept the Antichrist and they're going to rebuild the temple. And that temple sacrifice is going to be stopped in the midpoint of the tribulation. You know, and the, 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 the reality is, is, is that Jesus Christ ended that whole temple sacrificial system because he was the perfect lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. But they're still going to do it. And the Bible predicts it's going to happen. It doesn't mean it's holy, though, them doing it. And I sure am not, like a lot of people, going to give money to have that temple be rebuilt. There's a, the whole sect of Christian Zionists, they call them, that are giving money to have the temple be rebuilt. There's a whole organization called the Temple Institute, and I'm on their email list, and they're giving me updates all the time about their plans for the temple, and they've got like the this implement done now, and then they've got the robes for the priests done, and I mean, it's all basically done and waiting to go. So again, it's important to have biblical balance. It, yes, it's got to happen, but I'm sure not going to give money for it to happen. So let's go further. Ezekiel 20, 38. And I will purge out from among you the rebels. Hold on, let me go back here. Alright, remember, Ezekiel 20, 37. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. Now, this is Israel we're talking about here. Okay, this is Israel when um, she she's, she's going to be brought out from the people gathered out of the countries wherein you're scattered with a mighty hand, okay? This is the this is Israel being predicted to come back into her land after she's been scattered. This is the time we're talking about now. Well, you know, going all the way back to um, when Israel was formed as a nation. Then it goes on to say in verse 38, And I will purge out from among you the rebels, and them that transgress against me. And I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Whoa, I don't think uh, Mahmoud Abbas would want to hear that verse. Because he was just saying, you know, the Palestinian flag is going to fly over Jerusalem. Um, I don't think so. Because God's saying, I will purge out from among you the rebels. And then that transgress against me. Could that be the Muslims? No, never. That, there's no way that could be them. That wouldn't be politically correct. Um, and then it goes on to say, I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Doesn't mean a lot of Israelites aren't going to die. Okay? It doesn't mean that it might not get a lot worse before this verse actually kicks into full effect. But ultimately... These nations that are seeking to destroy Israel and possess it and to destroy all the Israelites, they're the ones that are going to be destroyed. The Bible's very clear. So this doesn't bode well for the Muslim terrorists in Palestine especially. Isaiah 11, verse 11 and 12 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand Again, the second time, to recover the remnant of his people. This is another total prediction that God is going to restore the Israelites to Israel. That the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros, and from Cush, and from Elam, and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. This is what has happened, is happening, and will continue to happen with Israel. 
Now, if all nations, like I quoted the verse before, are going to eventually turn against her, you're going to see more and more and more migration of the Israelites as the persecution increases back to Israel. Has to happen. Okay, so, Bible predicts this. And again, here I am, this Gentile dude, and all I'm doing is quoting Old Testament Bible verses that it seems to me the Orthodox Jews choose to ignore or say these don't apply to this time. Well, then again, you're so deceived that you're still caught in the Old Testament Levitical system. You call Jesus unspeakable names. You crucified your Savior. You base your religion on works. And, you know, you think that there, Israel has no right to self-determination and that this whole thing of, of the Israelites being back in the land is wicked. I mean, you're, you're deluded. You really are. I pray to God your soul be saved. But from a biblical standpoint, it's incredibly easy to, to debunk what I read from them. Here's a second sign. Israel, reborn in a day. Israel, a nation that had not really existed as a separate nation for 2,500 years, was declared a new sovereign state by an act of the United Nations on May 14, 1948. The nation was born in a day. Before she, uh, Isaiah 66, 7 through 10. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. She uh, shall I bring forth to birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith the God? Rejoice ye with Jerusalem. And be glad with her, all ye that love her. Rejoice of joy with her. Now Zion is another way of saying Jerusalem. In this particular vernacular. Okay, in the Old Testament. So, shall a nation be born at once as soon as Zion travailed? She brought forth her children. A nation was born at once. On May 14, 1948. In one day. Reborn, actually, in this particular case. Sign number three, the order of the return. The first returning Jews to Palestine came primarily from Arab countries. The next major movement came from Western countries of Europe, especially Germany. Then came in great numbers from Russia, which was from the north, during the end of the 1980s. The last great migration of Jews returning to Israel came from Ethiopia in the south. This precise order of return Get this, this precise order of return was predicted by Isaiah the prophet. Now, if this don't get you fired up, your wood's wet. Sorry. This is enough to make a Presbyterian run the aisles. Sorry again. Anyway, Isaiah 43, 1. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. By name. Thou art mine. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west and I will say to the north, give up and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the end of the earth. That's the exact order that they came. From the east, the west, and then the north and then the south. That's the exact order. I mean, that is awesome. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not awesome? That's just one prediction about this. And then Isaiah 43.21 says, This people have I formed for myself, they shall show forth my praise. Doesn't mean that he brought them back and they were all right with God. That's a process. Okay? And this whole time they've been back, I mean, they've been further and further and increasingly, increasingly persecuted. And all of this is to ultimately get that one third to turn back to God and to ultimately acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But it's going to take a lot, evidently. Okay? Um, and this is just evidence of that. So, number four, pure language. 
I'm going to clarify that because Taylor was confused about that last part, okay? Let me, let me clarify that part so you really understand that, how awesome that verse is. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to say the Bible verse and then I'm going to go back to where it was fulfilled. Okay, I will bring thy seed from the east. This is God's prophesying Israel's going to come back to the land. First one, I will, I will bring thy seed from the east. Okay, the first returning Jews to Palestine came primarily from eastern Arab countries. Okay, east first. And gather thee from the west. The next major movement came from western countries of Europe, okay? Especially Germany. That's from the west, okay? Great. Awesome. Then, I will say to the north, give up. So then, the next major migration is from the north. Well, they came in great numbers from Russia north during the end of the 1980s. Now, this is the order. It's matching the order that the Bible says. And then, finally, the last great migration of Jews returning to Israel came from Ethiopia in the south. This precise order of return was predicted by Isaiah the prophet. And again, the last part says, And to the south, keep not back, bring my sons from far, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. So it totally lines up with the word of God. Okay, so, okay, next part, a pure language. With the return of the nation, the ancient Hebrew language had been revived and had become the official language of the state. Prior to this happening, though, the Jews spoke an impure form of the language called Yiddish, which I'm fluent in, actually. No, just kidding. Sorry. Teasing. Anyway, the return to a common, pure common language was again predicted by the prophets. Where? Zephaniah 3, 8 through 10. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to pray. For my determination is to gather the... Now, what, what does that mean? To pray. Not P-R-A-Y. Pray is spelled in this particular context, P-R-E-Y. Okay, that's like if you're like stalking your prey, you know, like you're stalking game or a deer or something like that. Let me start over. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until that day I rise up to pray, P-R-E-Y. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation. Even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. I think this is obviously in reference to Armageddon. Now, there's another reason for all this happening with the Muslims, particularly the Muslims are the center of it, but let's face it, the, the United Nations just voted 139 to 8 to establish, to reward the, the Muslim terrorists and give them a non-member status in the United Nations so they can have their non-member state which is the first step, step to them having an official, the whole two-state solution, which, you know, is just an abomination in the sight of God and will never work. Part of it is to bring, corporately, Israel to repentance, particularly the one-third remnant that will be saved. But part of this is also to establish God's determination to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them my indignation. See, God's taking notes. He's taking notes of all these, particularly these Muslims, that are just absolutely bent, white-hot fury on the total annihilation of Israel and Israelites. And then all the other nations backing them. God's taking notes. He's going to pour upon them his indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Armageddon is going to be a real scary thing to behold. For then will I turn to a people, a pure language, that they may even call upon the name of the Lord to serve him in one consent. That will be the one third that will be saved. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my supplants, meaning my worshippers, even the daughter of my dispersed. Who was dispersed? Israel. Now they're back in the land. Shall bring mine offering. That's how it ends. Even the daughter of my dispersed shall bring mine offering. We're talking about Israel here. And he's saying that when this time happens, they're going to be a people of a pure language. The return of the nation, the ancient Hebrew language, has been revived and become the official language of the state. And before that, they were the Jews spoke an impure form of a language called Yiddish. 
and the return of a pure common language was again predicted by the prophets. These are just some of the verses regarding Israel's return. I mean, this, again, this is not, this is like a cliff note skeleton study here we're doing. But hopefully it's enough to convince you of, of the point we're trying to make here. Okay, next one. Sign number five. Named cities of Israel. There are many cities in Israel that bear the ancient names of previous Jewish cities. Some of these bear their biblical identification, including Cana, Nazareth, Jericho, Nan, Bethany, Bethlehem, Hebron, Gaza, etc. Again, as the ancient nation was in the process of being destroyed, Ezekiel the prophet predicted that many of the ancient cities would, in fact, be re-inhabited and settled in the exact locations. Where does it say that? Ezekiel 36, 11, and verse 24, which says, And I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bring fruit, and I will settle you after your old estates. I will settle you after your old estates, meaning your, your old habitations, your old cities, and will do better unto you than at your beginnings. And you shall know that I am the Lord, for I will take you from among the heathen, which is where they've been gathered out of, okay, for all the four corners of the earth, in the order that we just listed before, east, west, north, south, okay? For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. And I will settle you in your own old estates. Cities that were totally, basically wiped out have been rebuilt and named the same thing. I mean, man, this gets me fired up reading this stuff. I mean, whenever you just see the word of God confirmed right before your eyes, it's like, man, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Sign number six, from desolation to productivity. The restoration of the agriculture and of the trees and the forests of Israel has been another remarkable miracle. Scarcely 75 years ago, the country was a desolate wasteland full of malarial swamps and deserts. Today, the replanted forests are flourishing, and the Israeli agricultural production is one of the great, great wonders of the world. This tiny country exports quality produce from around the world, again, just as predicted. Now, I've seen whole documentaries on this, where, you know, the blooming in the desert, I mean, I mean, and, and the produce, I mean, it's just like amazing, the yield. Um... So, it is where is that predicted in the Bible? Isaiah 27, 6, there's one part. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Predicted it. Isaiah 35, 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. The deserts have blossomed as a rose in Israel. And I've seen the document. You can, you can go up on YouTube and do keyword searches for that. Israel, you know, blossoming or whatever. You'll find it. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it and the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. And again, this is what I can't, I mean, like these Orthodox Jews we talked about, it's like, okay, don't you see this is what's happening? And you say that you have, that Zionism, meaning, let's just talk the plain vanilla definition of Zionism. You're saying that that has no biblical merit? Come on, it has all kind of biblical merit. There's nothing wrong. And what choice do they have? The whole world's going to turn against the Israelites and Israel sooner or later. They're not going to be safe anywhere. And I'm not going to say they're going to be that safe in Israel. Because like I said, two-thirds are going to die. But that's part of God's plan. It's a whole lot more than it'll be safe percentage-wise if you look at the world population. One-third of the world population will not be saved. I don't see any Bible for it. I see evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I see God sending them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth and have pleasure in unrighteousness. And that is going to be the norm 
Not the exception to the rule. I pray that their souls be saved if it be possible. But obviously, narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. So I wish it were different. I really do, but it's not. And, and again, this is why I have this ministry to wake people up so that they can get saved. And if you're not saved, you need to go to contendingfortruth.com and click on the salvation tab and listen to those teachings in that order. Because that's the main thrust of, of what we're doing here, ultimately. So again, this is a this is so awesome about the, the, the fruit and the deserts blossoming and things of this nature. I just did a keyword search up on YouTube for Israel deserts blossoming, okay? And I'm not saying you couldn't do a better one. But, I mean, there's all these videos. Israel cultivates desert agriculture. Um, uh, a thriving fish industry in the Israeli desert. Uh, Elot, Israel made the desert bloom. Postcards from the Bible, the blooming desert. Um, our, um, I think... Uh, Force in Israel, making the desert bloom. Um, there's one thing after another about just that one thing. And that's not even, you know, then you could get into the whole fruit thing and the agriculture. And uh, I've seen some of the fruit that come out of there. And I mean, they're just like, it's like fruit on steroids or something. It's, it's like amazing. And so, again, just total confirmation of the word of God, confirming everything that we just talked about here. So, um... I'm going to go ahead and end part two here, which will segue me into the next part. So, if you're, uh, make sure that you listen, well, I guess if you already listened to it, you're listening to it. It's important you listen to these, these teachings that I did today in the order listed. To fully build, because I'm building from each part. So, we'll go ahead and end part two here and go to part three. God bless you.